What's up, guys? My name is Devin, and welcome to another episode of The Table. Uh, joining with me is Tom Horner, one of the corporate rigging inspection managers, and then Brian Holmgren as well, who's your uh, regional rigging inspection manager, correct? Yes. And then uh, Mike Close, one of our content managers here. Um, and today we're going to talk about, really just talk about like top issues and abuses and misuses of just rigging just rigging in general. Does that sound good? Absolutely. All right. So uh, I guess we're, where do we start? Yeah, I mean, we brought the two of you guys in here because you're out in the field you know you're part of our inspection group and you see a lot of equipment that's either been misused been abused is coming out of service things like that so we kind of just wanted to put together a list of some of the top problems you see when you're out in the field if you want to what's kind of the, the major one that you see the most number one problem missing tag okay um People don't realize that a tag is required on just about everything. Um, everything requires different information on that tag, but the tag is required. That's required by OSHA for chains, and it's required um, for ASME for all slings. And where, um, where do you find um, the information that should be required on each tag for each type of product? Uh, OSHA defines chains, but ASME defines all the slings. Mm -hmm. So ASME defines not just slings, but the rigging hardware as well as below the hook lift devices. And so, like, what are you seeing? Is it stuff that's ripped off, or stuff that just never had a tag, or stuff that's just so jacked up that you can't see like what the label is? Like, what kind of stuff are you seeing in the field? Everything, but it's usually getting ripped off, or it's getting heavily damaged, or just wiped clean, but. It's not that it didn't have a tag to begin with. It got ripped off. And so how big of a deal is that? I mean, so if you, we always talk about like a visual inspection, right? Every lift, every shift, look at your gear, make sure that it's safe, make sure that it's good to go. So if it looks good, regardless of if it has a tag or not, you know, say those slings came in on Tuesday and then for some reason it just got pulled, you still know that sling is pretty much good to go. It looks visually good to go. Is that still pretty good to, to use in an application or once the sling is gone, that's it? Yeah, once the tag or identification is illegible or removed, uh, the sling is, is no longer able to be used. So what we'll also see is what's so important about the tag and, and why it has to be there is it contains the information that the user is supposed to be referring to as they're rigging up their lift. Mm -hmm. Capacities, angles, um, hitches, you know, hitches and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. Um, We'll actually be on inspections sometimes, and customer will ask us, well, how much is my sling good for? Like, well, let's just look here on the tag, <laughs> you know? So it's kind of like, you know, here's your tag. It's identifying, you know, how you're supposed to use your sling. But really what you, it needs to be there for the traceability, you know, should there have been uh, some sort of an accident, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to want to to go right back to your tag. To, to start their investigation, I guess is what you're going to say. But you're right. Tags get ripped off very easily, right. which would lead into the misuse. Are they even rigging it properly? Mm -hmm. If your tag is on this end of the sling or let's say it's on one, one eye, you know, that eye is going to want to be over the crane hook or be away from uh, where it could get ripped off or it can get, you know, scrubbed through something and just pulled off. Um, your alloy chain slings... You know, they're generally attached pretty well, but just the severity of environments, you know, taken on and off the crane hook, thrown over here, hooked back on, that tag kind of gets caught in one of the legs, mm -hmm. ripped off, nobody ever, ever thinks about it. Well, and that made me think of something else. So, I mean, the, the sling tag not being there, obviously, is a really, really big issue. But you were kind of talking about misuse. So do you think it's common that people just don't really know what exactly that tag says 
what it means with the information can suggest about this item? Absolutely. You know, it comes back to the training. Mm-hmm. You know, is the user trained to be able to perform that operation, which is take your sling, rig it to your load, properly move your load, right? remove the sling, go to your next load. You know, what's your process? Are you reinspecting your sling? Mm-hmm. Or you know you did everything properly and you're just kind of going through a process? So, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes back to probably not being uh, cognizant of the importance of that tag and then also the misuse, which might just be lack of training, not rigging the load properly. Also being said, we know not every task in the world of rigging is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. So understand that sometimes you might just rig your sling in a fashion that's immediately going to deem it unusable when you're done because you just had to tear the heck out of it yeah. to get something from point A to point B and then it's done. So now, a yeah. lot of things to think about there. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you guys come in and you do your inspection and the sling itself is in perfectly good working condition, however either the tag's smudged and you can't read the legibility, it's not legible or it's gone, can you take that back to the manufacturer? Can they re-tag that or does it just have to be completely removed from service and discarded? In some instances, instances you can re-tag it. Um, specifically a chain sling. Okay. Um, when you can, when you know what the manufacturer used, what grade of steel. Um, they don't do it with nylons usually. Sometimes they'll do it with wire rope if they can determine the construction of the rope and everything like that. But so before we jump off of tags, what would be your recommendations? That you know, if you're if you're in a shop and you guys are just burning through tags for whatever reason. You know, what would you recommend to kind of uh, avoid that? And, you know, what are common issues that people have where they're kind of accidentally ripping off tags? I would jump in and say, are you using the right sling for the application? Okay. First of all, uh, once you get to that point where you think you are, then is it training how you're rigging up your sling? You know, again, if it was a real simple rig where they're doing a basket or some sort of a choke, take the end of the sling that has the tag, put it on a crane hook, keep it out of the way of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you need to, like, you know, protect it or anything. Remember, some of these things are consumable too. Mm-hmm. So you just want to make sure you have the right sling, your training, your rigging, and that's just the way it is if you're doing all those things properly. Um, alloy chain slings, in theory, should be able to last a lifetime because they're highly repairable. Synthetics, we just know, are consumable. You can use a synthetic around sharp corners of metal objects, mm-hmm. maybe. But are you, you know, again, rigging properly, wear pads, protecting the Mm -hmm. tag, protecting the eyes, that whole process. So you just have to look at everything, you know, again, from that 10,000-foot view. Yeah, it's good. So what else? What are some other common things outside of tags? Synthetics, cuts and abrasion Mm -hmm. are a big one. Um, Absolutely. Discoloring, loss of their, you know, if you have a treated, which are, are usually a bright yellow. Um, if they're not a bright yellow anymore, is it UV damage? Is it chemical damage? Mm-hmm. Is it heat damage? You know, a lot of these guys will take and throw them in their solvent tanks because they get grease on them. Can't do that. Okay. Like just to wash them off? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Solvent will break the material down. So that's that's a big no-no. Well, and so just, I mean, flat out, how many people do you think realize that when you're washing your sling, you're actually damaging it more than it was when it was dirty? Maybe 5%. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Right. And again, somebody might be doing it just because the guy who taught them, you know, who's been a lifer at that job said, yeah, this is what we do. They get dirty and we just take them over here and we just rinse them off or do this. And again, you got to understand what you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but really synthetics that's probably those are the, the major issues and again think about a synthetic very light very easy to rig mm-hmm. let's go lift the world with it right, right. <laughs> you know same thing with the small chain sling mm-hmm. hey it's a chain sling it's got to be good smaller the better easier to rig you know take a half inch chain sling versus a, a three-quarter chain sling yeah. same length and everything and two different beasts yeah so again you're just coming back to training are you rigging with it properly storing it properly mm-hmm. you know i just mentioned that that's are you keeping them out of uv light when you're storing them are you just throwing them on a rack that's sitting right in sunlight or mm-hmm. or in some fashion and just by sitting there you know i can remember one customer we had out in tiffin ohio it just sat literally right under the window and from year to year it came in you know finally they listened and moved them yeah <laughs> because you come in and perfect slings that they hardly ever used were now failures because they merely just set out. Yeah, and we've even seen like on oil rigs, a lot of those guys will use a round sling to kind of keep, you know, one of their clamps just attached to the tower, but then it just lives there day in and day out. It's either covered with oil, muck, dirt, whatever, but then it's also constantly exposed to the sun so you don't think about it because you're if you are checking for you know cuts and abrasions mm-hmm. and stuff and you don't see that you might just think yeah this is this is an okay sling it looks okay it's a little dirty but whatever we're in the oil field it's gonna be dirty but then you just don't think about the constant exposure to sunlight and you know how so let's say that there is a sling that's in the field for a month just day in and day out and it just lives out there is a month like a good amount of time for it to really have a adverse effect on the sling or does it take longer than that I'd say you could do it in a month. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with all the environmental factors, absolutely. And so when it goes, I mean, is it like a small thing where it'll break a little bit but then still catch it? Or once it goes, it's gone? Depends on the load and how the load is applied. You know, how much, you know, is it a shock load where it's just going to boom, boom? Yeah. Or is it a slow pick where all of a sudden you just maybe start hearing some things if you're lucky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how fast it goes depends on really how weakened it's been. You, you don't know how much strength is lost via like a UD, UV damage. I'm sure there's some testing out there. But again, from a bright yellow brand new to, let's say, a They fade, almost turn white. Yeah, they almost turn white. Yeah. And you know right there it's lost a considerable amount. How much? It's you know what you say. You can't play that, you can't play that game. Yeah. Right. You just have to know, okay, listen, it's it's one of the causes criteria for removal it's got to go mm-hmm. do you ever see do you ever see like an application where you can recommend that they use like a polyester if they're using nylon or vice versa where they may be even using the wrong material for what they're doing i would say yes but oftentimes as inspectors we try to stay away from recommendations of rigging practices okay because we don't want to be out there telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong. We're just there to tell you if something passes or fails. But we might see something to say, hey, we really don't think this is right for that application. Yeah. We think you need to, to talk to somebody. And some of, like I said, the most obvious ones are synthetics and, 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 and metal. Mm-hmm. But because they can't mar what they're lifting, mm-hmm. sometimes that sling is just a cost of doing business. Right on. But you have to be even more cognizant of, again, what you're doing because sharp nylon or nylon around sharp corner doesn't matter that you think okay I'm, I'm only gonna get a month out of this you might only get one lift mm. if somebody lifts it awkward yeah shock load anything yeah so again you're looking at edge protection tag protection you know all, all that stuff because regardless of capacity let's say it's got a really sharp abrasive edge and let's say the load slips at all i mean won't it really just kind of slice it and just, regardless of capacity regardless of anything else if there's no edge protection that thing is gone right 
Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And there's some fancy webbing out there that has edge protection. How well does it do? Again, it depends on how you've tested it in your application. Mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So there's, yeah. you know, that's a big conversation right there. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty smart, intelligent way to go about doing it. Um, so sling tags, um, leaving stuff exposed is a, a pretty big issue. What other misuses do we have? <clears throat> Alloy chain slings, the biggest one probably is uh, stretch bent links. Uh, like Tom was saying, they, they think they'll lift the world mm -hmm. because they're steel. Right. So grab a 930 second chain and, you know, they'll load 10, 15,000 pounds on there. So stretch bent links on chains. And does that tie back to the first one where they're just not reading the tag to check the capacity? Or they like, you know, there's a misconception that there's uh, extra capacity there. Yeah. there that's is, a huge misconception. This is, this is a great one. I mean, it, it, what he's talking about is the safety factor. Yeah, design factor and safety factor. So these people hear about design factors and safety factors and they say, as a matter of fact, we just had a customer that this is great. told our rigging inspection coordinator that the last inspection group in there was telling them that that working load is just there for reference, but there's a safety factor built in so they can go over that working load. <laughs> and that's what they were telling them. Right. So they were rigging more than the working load. It's, it's a four to yeah. one factor on mm -hmm. chain slings. So what they were saying is, okay, I'm at 100%. Really what was happening <laughs> is we're lifting to 100% plus, plus because now we're thinking that this four to one gives us over 100%. Mm -hmm. And that was coming from another inspector from another organization, which is why we received the phone call immediately. Yeah. So why, why did the phone call happen? Did they hear that and automatically go, well, that can't be right? Absolutely. The inspector told the user. The user told his leader. The leader said, don't come back in here. <laughs> told us. Yeah. And, and that type. So, again, it, it, that goes back to training. Okay. Which, so now you're... Want to make sure the people doing your inspections are trained, mm -hmm. which is you know we've we've covered that. But you want to make sure your users are understanding of what those numbers mean yeah. and angles and another to another you know with the chain slings and crazy thing with the chain slings like what Brian's saying is just proper rigging. Do you have twist in your chain? If you got a thirty foot leg, is it? in line all the way down to your hook or have you put twist in it mm -hmm. to shorten it uh, how many people you see that and what's going to cause twist and bented bent links mm -hmm. elongated links etc you know just that would be the misuse area and again taking what you have to get done what you need to do yeah. type thing but that's really what you see in, in, in the alloy chain slings and really that's kind of a cool testament to the training of the individual because the individual heard that and said no that can't be right don't come back here I want to talk to somebody else because I know that that's not right, right. so then what what do you think would be the reason for that first inspection group that said you know yeah this is a capacity but you can go over that what would have been the reason for that just to win the business or like I, I'm trying to figure out the why I, Probably the company had been doing the inspections for years, mm -hmm. and so I mean, if, I, if you're going to put a theory together, sounds to me like they just took somebody who was available, and said, "Go look at this stuff." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because how else can you have that interpretation if you just don't know? Right. If just if you've just never been walked through, you know. Because I've never, I've never, in all my years here, when I heard that story, I've never heard of that interpretation of a safety design factor. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard that. 
Hmm. I've, I've just never heard that. I've heard people say, hey, is there a way we can talk to a manufacturer or get an, a, an approval from an engineer to go above a capacity, okay. in which case that almost is always zero two. Mm-hmm. Right. But I've never heard of somebody say, yeah, it's built in. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we talked about tags, talked about misuses, and then <clears throat> alloy chain slings. And so next. Yeah. Do you guys see anything with wire rope, wire rope, wire rope, and wire rope slings? Broken wires is the biggest one. Uh, corrosion's another big one with wire rope. Kinks. Um, yeah, kinks are a misconception. Some people think a kink is an a, is a kink or isn't a kink. Uh, dog legs. Um, right. But yeah, some people think just because they have a little curve in their rope, it's called a kink, but it's not a kink. A, a kink is when you actually take a rope and you twist it around and go and pull it against itself and you try to pull the, the circle out, the loop out. Mm-hmm. That becomes a kink. And so I uh, shot a video with Tom Coral the other day, and he was kind of demoing like a seven part and how durable and flexible it is. And then he had this other different, I guess the capacity was higher, but it had bends all over it. So he picks it up and it's just at all these different angles and it's mm-hmm. all sharp or whatever. And he was saying that it didn't necessarily mean that that rope was bad. You could still rig it. It was obviously a lot more difficult to get it on a hook because of all the different angles and stuff and rig it properly. So when do you decide that the kink is bad enough to not use it versus like what Tom Coral had where it had kinks all over the place, but it, I mean, it looked like it was bad to me, but he said that one was, it was actually safe. Right. Because all inspection is subjective. What I always went by is if I could clearly tell that that deformation is not going to come out under load, mm-hmm. then I'm failing it. You and know, it's real yeah. easy to come up to something and you can say that's not, you know, <laughs> that, that's the biggest thing it's an is L. Put, a yeah, light, you know. put a light load on it and see if it comes out. Okay. You know, not this, but if you can tell, you you know, if you can just tell it's going to come out. So say it's bad and say you start to pull it, what what does it do versus what is it, you know, supposed to do? Does it completely straighten out into a straight line? It should straighten out. And if it doesn't, if it still has a couple grooves, is that where, you know, like, all right, there's something wrong here? Yeah, what you've done is you've literally, so wires wires need to pull against themselves. They need to be able to move kind of just like a nylon. So if you've put a curve in it, now you've created a, what is that, uh, resistance for the wires to be able to move. Okay. So, so yeah, once you, once you put a load on it and you can see that there's a, still a, a kink in it or a dog leg in it, now you need to pull it out. So is it almost like the wires are naturally switching their grip to make sure they hold onto it properly? Because like the seven part, as Tom was manipulating it, I mean, you could kind of see that the wires would kind of flex and move and stuff and then maintain. That's exactly what they're doing. They're just kind of sliding along each other. So then if you remove that ability, then it it lessens the capacity to hold it because then it can't even grip anything, right? Yep. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it's simplest, yeah. I mean, again, we're not breaking it down that much when we're in the field. We're just coming up to something, and obviously you know what a wire rope sling looks like. It's new. Mm -hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden when you see it, you know how bad did they... Did they stretch out the eyes going around too small of a of a D to D again? Mm. Did they take a a, law, a large eye and put it around a really tiny crane hook? And all of a sudden you've got this really narrow eye that you can't even pull apart. Mm. You know, you're like, oh, you just destroyed that thing. Yeah. You know, and we're not going to play any games with that because wire ropes are just consumables. So that's probably the the biggest thing. Like Brian said, is is the the, the broken wires, which are really apparent. Yeah. You know. Um, Especially as you take some of these things because it's important because when you come to those deformations, bend it the other way. 
see if any wires are popping out that you might not see. Yeah. You may be like, oh, it's just a little curve. No, and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just a it's just a, a forest of broken wires. That is what's cool about wire rope is there's there are a lot of visual indicators to yeah. let you know that something's wrong with it. Yeah. And of course, they're just easily abused because you're gonna. You know, go pick up something nasty with it. So you're, you're taking your smallest wire rope sling usually and, mm-hmm. and rigging it and going and doing your thing. So, again, they're consumables. comes down to training. Are you using the right stuff for the right thing? Maintenance guys, you know, they do what they got to do. Hey, guys, cranes down. Let's go you know, change out this motor real quick and mm-hmm. grab a couple come-alongs. And, mm-hmm. hey, this looks like it'll work. And they just go do their thing and come back and... You know, stuff is beat up and no good. But again, and, and tags, yeah. tags are the same thing with wire ropes. There isn't there there isn't any perfect solution for a tag out there just yet. Um, we've struggled as an organization, have many different options and ideas, but everyone in, who who makes a wire rope sling has the same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, keeping the tag on there, keeping it legible. You think about the environment that these things are in. What does legible mean? They get gunked up with grease just think about the rolling roll, roll shop of a of a steel mill probably one of the nastiest dirtiest greasiest environments you'll ever see so what do they use wire rope you go pick up your wire rope you can't even see the wire rope right yeah because it's just nothing but you know a giant gunk gunk and it's like i can't even inspect it it's like, <laughs> like garbage yeah you know kind of just understand those things yeah and if you go back to the standards too i mean asme lays out you know how many broken wires you're allowed per strand per lay of the rope so and also when you think about when that rope gets used the the, the nominal diameter starts to shrink as it's stretched mm-hmm. as it's under load it becomes smaller so it doesn't you know you're not gonna be able to switch back onto it because it's gonna be smaller than the diameter of the sleeve so when you get your compression to the sleeve it's not compressing to the same size ray of rope anymore so that's why you don't get into repairing of the of the ropes itself all right, cool. Uh, anything else on wire rope for common misuses or issues or anything? Nah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it is what it is. And, and rigging, rigging hardware, which mm-hmm. goes, you know, with the rigging, what we're talking, shackles, eye bolts, mm-hmm. hoist rings, items like that, um, they all have different requirements. But what you see there is basically the same thing you'll see on the slings eye bolts misused so you come in and they're bent or they're chopped in half or somebody did something and welded them and made some sort of a configuration and shackles with incorrect pins and you know stretch shackles and worn things and you know all that thing hoist rings that are locked up and frozen because they've been overloaded and you can't you know rotate your 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 threaded uh, stud piece Mm -hmm. your, your bolt I should say and so say say you're somewhere where you don't have any jurisdiction over it because we we're part of a like an overhead crane inspectors group and a lot of those guys like you can't turn it off so there's this one guy that was at a playground something normal and he went to a swing set and he looked at the chain and the top of the rigging and everything and it was it was almost stretched all the way through right did you see that yeah, it was the link the chain had just it started wearing down mm-hmm. through the link and you could see the groove where you know about that much material was missing and he, it was, he's just like, I can't turn it off. Wherever yeah. I go, I'm in inspector mode. And yeah. Here I am in a kid's playground, and you know nobody's inspecting that stuff. It's just Oh, no, no, you'll see that, and, you know, absolutely. Yeah. We've done the same thing at the gym. Yeah. Yeah, the carabiner links. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'll see them worn halfway through. And people or look at all the, the galvanized aircraft cable that are part of all the machines. Yeah. yeah. Look at how many of those are just broken wires after broken wires after broken wires. 
Now in that world, mm-hmm. anyway, you're yanking. There's videos. I was gonna of say this. that's yeah. all. It's all shock load. And yeah. it goes. Where are you going? You're going flying <laughs> this way. You know. But again, they're again. It's misuse and abuse and, and lack of care. But we're always inspectors, just like you said. Yeah. I'll be driving down the road and I'll see a construction site and I'll see stuff hanging off the crane and I'm looking for a tag. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. A tag. <laughs> I'm looking for a tag. I'm like, this is construction. You know, they're number one. You're like, where's where's your? And you can clearly see when there's no tag. Mm-hmm. Clearly see, especially when it's analog chain sling. The tag hangs down. You know, you see. So you're always, we're always in inspection mode. So mm-hmm. we're always, you know. So, so then really, once once you get your eye kind of developed for what to look for, for you know, you, you know if it's missing a sling tag. You know if there's some some loose wires that are in this rope and stuff like that. Once you develop that eye, then you like you guys were saying, you just can't unsee it. But it, it'd be honestly better if more people were looking in places that they haven't really thought of before. Sure. Sure, sure, and again, as you're working, just because you're working in a facility and you're not doing that operation doesn't mean you can't be aware, you know, aware of what's happening in that operation and just walking by. Maybe you transfer companies, maybe you started a new company and you're not in that position out in the shop, but if you're walking through and you see something, you know, hey, you know, well, why is that rig like that? Or you know, you got no tag on this or something. Mm-hmm. You know, where's your where's the inspection records? Where's the training records? Yeah, people should be asking because it's mm-hmm. you know it's required, but it's easy to produce, and it just begins a good conversation of people being aware. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then, kind of to close it up, I think we've talked about lifting slings. We've talked about hardware. The last kind of component of that is below the hook lifting devices, and there's all kind you know spread yes. beams, lifting beams. There's all C hooks, all kinds of stuff, but what are some of the common problems you see there? Same thing, tag, but um, I guess deformation would be a huge one. Um, these beams are huge. They're massive. They can be uh, same as an alloy chain sling. It looks like it's indestructible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really take it to the limits. Um, sometimes they smash them right against the crane. and uh, <laughs> I mean, literally, I've seen cranes where the cranes you know, smashed in where they took the lifter up too high and, you know, caved the lifter right into the crane. And Jeez. Um, but, yeah, deformation probably. I'm going to go with homemade. You know, in the world of, of slings, mm-hmm. it's, you know, people are, today generally you don't find as many homemade items as you used to, but with the below the hook because mm-hmm. it's such an evolving world and everything is so custom. Right. It's, everything is custom. Mm-hmm. So we understand there's some generic stuff out there in the world, but almost everything is custom to a lift in an application, mm-hmm. lifting this unit and putting it over here. So you're going to see the homemade stuff. You're going to see the tagging, because tagging, these, like Brian said, they take abuse, and these tags are often just like cheaply riveted on, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, mark the heck out of this thing so that it from every angle if it's laying on one side you can identify them from the other and vice versa identify this thing all the way around in some fashion are you stamping into the device Mm -hmm. are you welding a plate to the device Mm -hmm. with all that information on multiple sides because like Brian said it's banging up against things if you only put it on one side of a beam and it bashes into this wall did you just take that plate off or did you just mar it enough that you can't read anything anymore then you talk about a world of repair that's a headache it just is is you can't just simply test and re-tag a below the hook device yeah it's not like anything else 
you're talking about engineered drawings, history. Do you have any of that stuff, Mr. Customer? You don't. Okay, we're in a bad place. Right. Because right? we're talking about re-engineering it because we're not going to be liable because we don't know what materials were made under what circumstances. So you, you, you're just talking about the homemade to the tagging, like I said, and then to the abuse and get into certain environments. The abuse is you never take that beam off that crane. So what's it doing? It's just doing this over the crane hook. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever takes that off to see what kind of wear is done to the bale right. or the crane hook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of a sudden you take it off and you're like, 50% of it's gone. And 50% of your crane hook's gone. Now the customer's got to find a crane hook and how are they going to get their spreader beam, get a new bale? Mm-hmm. You know, crazy things like that. Right. Um, below the hook world of magnets. All this, you know, uh, electric... Coming down, something's a little bare, gets nicked up, arcs, mm. melts the chain. You know, we're still even though the chain is a separate unit from the from the magnet, you're still talking about it as a whole. Did you did you tear up the magnet? Did you tear up the pins in the magnet? Mm-hmm. Did you you know you you arced a chain and three quarters of a link is gone? Mm-hmm. You know, you see things like that. Um, Sea hooks, you know, where's it wearing? Or the, you know, again, depending on how it's designed. So that's a whole world in itself. So yeah. then, if you if you go on site, you're doing an inspection, you see a BTH device that's clearly custom. It looks awesome. It's welded well. You know, it looks yep. interesting, whatever. But how? I mean, how do you test it? How do you verify that that thing is good or bad or whatever? If there's no markings on it, there's no tag on it. What I mean, what do you do? In our world, it's an immediate fill. Okay. It's just yeah. an, well, we document it as such. We're and we again, we'll clarify this. We can never, or we never, and we can never tell a customer they can or can't use something. Okay. We just tell you if it's compliant or not, yeah. pass or fail. Mm-hmm. Then we'll work with you to design um, a solution, right? So when we do come up to that, we document it just so that they know, and it could be this again, this beautifully constructed, but you don't know. Right. If you don't, yeah. I mean, right. And then they'll say, "Well, our engineers designed it." Okay, so where's your where's identification? the tag that says right. that it meets B3020? Right, yeah. here's all this. And be t- exactly. And then when customers, you explain that to them, they're just kind of like... <laughs> nah, but it looks so cool. Right, can you, can, you, can you just tag it for us? And then you get into that reverse engineering. Yeah. And we're going to go worst case scenario. So what you've got rated to 10 ton, our worst case scenario, coming out of the blue, might be 5 ton. Mm-hmm. So then when you reverse engineer it, is it, is it literally that? Like, you'll take their schematics, we'll make it the same thing that they made, and then we'll test it ourselves in the shop? Or They just go through an engine, a calculation of all worst-case scenario. Okay. Worst-case scenario, uh, you know, and I, I can't speak for them right now. Right. But I know it's just based on worst-case. Okay. And again, I believe they have to have the device here, mm-hmm. you know, because they're going to take their measurements and then, obviously, again, worst-case calculations, if they even want to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much involved in that, it's usually cost uh, cost ineffective to do that. Okay. So then you get back to well, they just need a device to take the dimensions so we can coach you a new one. Exactly. And that's going to be our our stance. Okay. And that is very painful for customers, <laughs> because that customer who's probably has ten more of those, yeah, somewhere twenty, a hundred. An entire facility of custom made. Well, and it's tied into a specific process. And it's tied into a right. process. And they're using product. it day in and day out. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, one of the biggest things, one of the challenges now is all below the hook lift devices have a expiration date. Okay. So the BTH standard came out in 2005. 
which is another reason why a lot of the stuff doesn't have tags because it was made 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. But everything has an expiration, so it has it, it can go through so many duty cycles. Meaning, how many times a day is it used? And, and you know, some of them have, some of them have twenty thousand lifts on them. Some of them have a hundred thousand. Some of them have a million. So that determines the duty cycle. But um, they all have an expiration date on them, believe okay. it or not. So depending on what the engineers come up with and how many lifts they can see in a day, and they'll tell you it's good for ten years. And is that anything that has to be logged, or do you I'll just have say, to be kind of mindful of how no, often it's so, being used? No, so when the standard changed, uh, I think it was 2010, they updated it that it had to have the duty cycle right on the tag. Okay. So as of that year, everything has to have a date on it, and so anything after that year has an expiration. So you have to go back to the drawings <clears> and <throat> know all that stuff. But, but yeah, the standards for BTH kind of just came around in the last 10, 15 years. So mm -hmm. that's why nobody's up to date on their blow the hook lifters. And we have an article about that. It's how, I think, how do I make my blow the hook lifting device OSHA compliant? And it's one of our most popular articles because sure. I think there is a lot of confusion about. A lot of confusion. And as people have learned about the standards and have tried to get up to speed on making sure they're in compliance, there's two standards you have to know. You yeah. have to know what needs to be on the tag, and then, like you said, it actually has to have a duty cycle. Yeah. And talking about the standards, okay, this is something I don't think we've ever recommended, is I highly recommend everyone, every customer, every user of a sling, a below-the-hook rigging, buy the standards from ASME. You log into their site, you buy them, you buy them in hard copy, or they're, you know, they email in your downloadable, you follow their instructions, and you have them. Mm-hmm. They're not something you can get off the internet. They're, you know, copyrighted and, and encrypted and all sorts of other stuff. But I, I, it, part of the reality here is if you have this stuff in your facility, how can you possibly not have the standards related to their usage and care? Right. And I don't think we call that out enough. Is if we came in there and do training and your safety, your head of safety. I would expect to see you with all your ASME and OSHA yeah. and everything else right here. But everyone needs to be on the same page. Right. You know, it's easy for us to spout out this information and we can prove it, you know, because we'll just say this is what ASME says. Well, on your end of it, Mr. Customer, you should have that in front of you too. So you clearly under understand and have that highlight. Well, and staying up to date. It's not just oh, enough yeah. to have the standard. Date, I mean, yeah. the, the new sling standard was released in 2018, just a couple months ago. And when was it? I think it was 2014 was the maybe the previous yeah, edition. The previous you said like ASME, the below the hook ones, came out in 2010. You know, you got to stay yeah. on top of it because right. there's a lot that actually does change when they make those revisions and release mm -hmm. those. And I think Absolutely. that's the benefit of having these conversations because we say all the time, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so for inspectors, like they go to playgrounds, they go wherever and they, you can't not see it. If you're going to the gym, you can't not look for it. It's, you're completely dialed into that. So you're not expecting everybody to have that same level of vision that you guys have. You're just saying, you know, <clears throat> this is why you should bring us along. This is why you should enter us in the conversation because we'll see stuff that you won't see. We'll grab stuff that you might have missed and then we'll be more updated than you might be just because your 100% your job is to be as current as possible with all of the inspections, correct? Yes. Uh, you guys are trained and, you know, all of the inspectors go through training and are certified inspectors. 
Well, the one thing I was thinking about when we were when we were kind of talking, just to close this out, is you can be selfish with your safety, really. I mean, we know that you know OSHA has a really good beat on it. You know, third party rigging inspection companies like we do. You know, you guys and your inspection team have a really good current updated you know knowledge base of all this stuff. But there's no reason that anybody who's watching this stuff can't educate themselves, correct? I mean, I know for us, like on you know our website, mozillacompanies.com slash resources, there's blogs, there's videos, there's podcasts, there's downloads. All that stuff is built to educate so you know all about the, the different standards so you can educate yourself so you don't have to rely on somebody else because you have no concept of what's safe or what's not safe. Um, we also have videos on um, YouTube slash Mozilla Companies. There's a whole bunch of video tutorials on BTH devices, inspection uh, criteria. There's so much stuff that's so based on education because it – it can't just rely on you. They can't just be safe when you guys show up, right? And you can disagree with me if you want to, but really the people that are working in the shop should be more educated on all the slings in their shop. And when you guys walk on, they should be able to tell you what's going on, right? That's kind of the goal. Absolutely. I think that's the moral objective as an expert Mm -hmm. is we're here to inform you and learn from you. Right. But... That's, that's, you know, we have to walk away with that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not this piece of paper. It's, it's not this. It's are you informed? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what we're providing. Yeah, we're, we're there one mentioned. day out of the year. What's going on the <laughs> other 364 days? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think every time we've presented you guys with a problem, too, and all the discussions we've had, the solution is always increase your training for your employees, inspect your equipment. That's it. And that's it. And it's just that easy. So if you're you're going online, you're looking at the blogs and stuff we put together, you're on the YouTube channel, you're checking out the videos, but you can also contact these guys if you guys have any questions, if you're not sure about the stuff that you're lifting, if you just need help or if you have questions, or if you if you're pretty sure that something isn't correct, wouldn't you rather make a phone call to these guys and say, Hey, I need you to check this out, as opposed to just going for it and hoping it all works out. I saw a video this morning of uh, something was lifting an aircraft off of something and it was moving it around and the whole thing shattered and it just dropped the entire airplane. No, I don't know who... It was, it was, it was an Airbus. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know who's at fault for that, but somebody somewhere probably got fired because either something wasn't inspected or it wasn't rated properly or there's a capacity that somebody didn't know. But that is something that could have been resolved with something as simple as education or if they didn't know enough, a phone call to make sure that you were you know, safe and compliant and ready to rock and roll. And really... The purpose of all these roundtable conversations that we keep on having is to make sure that you are informed, that you're educated, that you're properly, you know, informed on what you're about to do. And if you know that you're not, reach out to these guys. Their whole team can help you with all that stuff. So, uh, Tom, Brian, Mike, I really appreciate your time. I think this is a really good conversation, really interesting conversation and really beneficial conversation that can help you and your team stay safe in the future.